Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Joe. Welcome to today's episode. Before we dive in, have to do the podcaster thing and remind y'all to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you do your listening. Uh, We love seeing those reviews come through. And of course, it also helps push our podcast to more folks who are looking for bookish content. So you know, those reviews, we love to see them. Thank you so much. We're also on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are pro book nerds. And you can email us professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Today, Emma is here with me to play everybody's favorite game. Guess that classic. Each read edition. <laughs> yes. So last time we took classic literature and of course I know we talked in that one that I use the term classic very loosely because whatever what does that even mean and then people get stuck and they don't update I still have to complain about it because you know it's a very valid but these are titles that I think in the most realistic you have at some point had someone put a copy in front of you say you should really have read this a lot of these have entered the public domain so that is more than anything what I tend to judge classic by for these episodes. Last time we did this, we wrote descriptions of the book as gossip. Today, we have rewritten the book description, so a little shorter than the last time. Uh, We've written the description like the description of a beach read. Emma, how would you define a beach read? What are the key hallmarks? So for me, a beach read is basically anything you want. Mm-hmm. It's it takes mood reading to another level. I it really just feels like I don't want to say just a marketing tactic, but when like when the summer months roll around, you see that huge uptick in things like oh this is the perfect beach read, or you see all those lists like the top twenty five beach reads for twenty twenty three, and so I think what we've come to a consensus on between ourselves based on some research and what we read is that beach reading is basically just a vibe. Fully, just a vibe. It's just a vibe. So the criteria is often, but not always, something that's light, fluffy, or something that's compulsively readable. So that, again, could vary depending on the reader. It often has like a summer setting that makes it a very easy case for a beach read, or it's something that's low stakes. Again, this varies for every reader. Whatever you want to take to the beach or on vacation, makes it that perfect read for you. But in the things that we've seen on all those lists, this is kind of what we've gleaned. And that's the vibe we're going for today. Definitely. On the stereotypical end, you usually see uh, thriller, romance, you know, the things that are page turners that you cannot put down. You want to be on the beach longer because you don't want to stop reading. Mm -hmm. Um, But like Emma said, 
Beatreads can be anything because it's just you, but marketing wise, that's where it tends to go. The big thing about Beatreads though, is their descriptions are a very certain type of way. They are all very much poppy, energetic. Uh, they're usually the ones where you see uh, it's waitlisted or on the best lists for like 20 different publications. Right. It's on a review list. It's on a short list. It's combined. It's this meets that. So expect to hear some of those, like we're calling out their accolades. We're calling mm-hmm. out their accolades. We're saying it's this book meets this book. And um, hopefully it's a buzzy description to get you started. Of course, like with the first time we did, yes, that classic, there's the game element. So we will not let you know what the book is. It will not be included in the description. The goal is for you to try to guess and have fun with it. After learning about last time, I did a few things differently this time. So hopefully my picks are a little bit more, I don't want to say obvious, but a little bit easier to guess. Just to level set, we have changed names in all of our descriptions. Yes. Are we ready? I'm I'm so ready. Okay. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. So we're saying the author and then we're going to read our description, right? Yes. Okay. Perfect. So Emma, my first author, I mean, this is the only one where I'm like, well, the author gives it away, but my first author is William Faulkner. And let's get into this description. Nobel Prize winner, one of the greatest novels of the 20th century. It's Gone Girl meets Little Fires Everywhere in this story of Southern aristocrats on the brink of ruin. Meet the Whitlock family, a traditional upper-class family in the South. The Whitlocks are riding along a fine line of destruction, and they can't let anyone find out. Told from four perspectives, we meet the different Whitlocks, like the neurodivergent Emmett, the rebellious it girl Rosalie, the neurotic Edward, the social climbing cynic Jasper, and their housekeeper Carlisle. Living lives fragmented and harrowed by their history and legacy, this story of the Whitlocks will make you question what exactly is the meaning of family. Can you guess that beach read? I mean, the only, the literally the only William Faulkner that I know off the top of my head is The Sound and the Fury. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But that's not necessarily because I put those plot points together. It's just because that's the only title I think of when you say William Faulkner. Correct. And I knew it was going to be a gimme, but... It is a classic novel that looks and uses the idea of stream of consciousness writing told from different perspectives. It's really heavy reading. And I loved the idea of taking what I think of as the exact opposite of a beach read and trying to sell it as one. Yes, exactly. But this is actually perfect because my first author, I think, is a a gimme. (laughs) You'll know. I mean, they're famous for a book. And I, so my first author is F. Scott Fitzgerald. You know, wow, really innovative here, Emma. But all right, here's my description. From the New York Times bestselling author of This Side of Paradise and the Beautiful and Damned comes a spellbinding novel of passion, wealth, and tragedy. Fresh out of college, Nathan pursues his career dreams in New York City. He finds a killer apartment next to an eccentric neighbor, John, whom he strikes up an easy and fast friendship with. Nathan starts partying, whining and dining with a fancy inner circle. At one such dinner, he reconnects his distant cousin, Darla, and her husband, Tim, 
Y'all have no idea where this is going. Nathan is drawn into the marital turmoil between Darla and Tim, resulting in the death of three people. What happens when the glitter and shine of the jazz age fades away and what truly matters is laid bare? That's my description. (laughs) I mean, I might be really off base here, uh, but is it The Great Gatsby? It is The Great Gatsby. It is The Great Gatsby. We have to get everyone warmed up. Yes, but also like... From that description... I, you wouldn't know, like, you know, because it's F. Scott Fitzgerald. If you just read that description, Mm -hmm. I don't think you'd think it was the great Gatsby. Yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't even really touch upon the whole Jay and Daisy thing. Mm -hmm. Although all of this like sorted stuff, it does result spoiler uh, in the death of several people. See, So you know, and who doesn't love the jazz age? That was fun. (laughs) That was fun. My next pick is from one Virginia Woolf, the fourth novel from beloved author for those who loved Twilight by Stephanie Meyer and Second Glance by Jody Pico. A woman of means, a shell-shocked soldier, showing the beauty and pain of London over the course of just one day. The elegant and vivacious Sabrina has it all. She's spending this June day running errands through the streets of London, preparing for a party. On this one seemingly normal June day, Sabrina is going about her business, reflecting on her life and those she's loved and lost. When we flash to another part of the city where Stephen is suffering from shell shock and on the brink of madness. Their days interweave and lives converge as the party reaches its glittering climax. Told is a luminous envelope of consciousness with perfected interior monologue that tells the life cycle in the hours of the day from first light to the dark of night. Hint. She can buy her own flowers. Okay, so you said hint, and I still like, because here's the thing. I saw that you were doing Virginia Woolf. Uh-huh. I have extremely strong feelings on Virginia Woolf in that I can't stand any of her stuff. I was <laughs> forced to read several of her works mm-hmm. in both uh, college and then graduate school, much to my chagrin, because I don't know what this woman is saying at any point in half of her things. Valid. So you could, like, I could just be a dumb dumb for I not. Think, I think we <laughs> all have authors who that has happened to us because of education, because of pressures. We're just like, for whatever reason, it could have been like the assigned nature of it. Like, you know, when you're mm-hmm. forced, not forced, but right. when you're assigned to read something, it suddenly loses any appeal that it may have had to you because you're like, I have to read this for, for school or whatever. Absolutely. I think, but so this is an author where I had to read her stuff and every single thing I read, it just completely went over your went head, over my head. Yeah. I was so uninterested in anything this woman had to say. And also she writes a lot in like stream of consciousness, which I did not jive with. That is the majority of her writing is stream of conscious. Yeah. So like I could throw out her most popular ones that I like, but I, I can't, I don't like. Give me a guess. Mrs. Though. Dalloway. It sure is. Okay. I'm <laughs> shook. I got, I put those pieces together because if you asked me what Mrs. Dalloway was about, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I'd be like a woman. Yeah. Basically it's about <laughs> her day. Uh, Sabrina is Mrs. Clarissa Dalloway because you know, Clarissa right. Ex- right, explains it all. Uh, and then Stephen is Septimus Smith. Cheeky. Cheeky. We really upped the ante with our second. 
picks. We went easy with one and two, a bit impossible. Yeah, I decided to really hit the gas. Yes. So my second one is by Flannery O'Connor. And I'm cheating a little bit because this is technically a short story. Here we go. A family vacation turns deadly in this gripping Southern Gothic tale. What would you do if your grandmother asked you to vacation in a different state than where you're heading and you've already hit the road? Grandma does exactly that during the family road trip to Florida, where disaster ensues at every time. Road trips are hard enough with family, but what about ones where your cat gets loose, you get lost, and you run into dangerous escaped convicts in a field in the middle of nowhere? Will this family make it out of the deep south alive and arrive at their vacation destination? Find out in the latest from Flannery (laughs) O'Connor. This is like such a deep cut. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that, (laughs) that, that took a turn. It takes quite a turn. It's, this is such a deep cut. I'm trying to think of my Flannery O'Connor knowledge. Such deep cut because it's a short story. (laughs) Oh no. Do you have any hints for me? Oh. (sighs) You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. My name's Adam Sokol, and I'm the host of the Passions and Prologues podcast. Every week, best-selling authors like Jenny Jackson, Rebecca Mackay, Lisa Scottolini or Brad Meltzer come on to my show to talk about, yes, their new books, but more importantly, the things that they're crazy passionate about. We've talked about the Muppets, powerlifting, traveling, gardening, home improvement, and so much more. We dig into why these things are their passions, how they inspire their writing, and where they came to fall in love with these random assorted things. Be sure to subscribe to the Passions and Prologues podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And check out evergreenpodcast.com to learn more. I don't. Mm. It's a road trip story. I feel like there was a time that I was doing a lot of road trip story stuff. It's a road trip story. It's a Southern Gothic tale. There's lots of social commentary on morality. Okay, of course, of course. Modern society at that time. Oh, 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 like marriage talk. Or like more like what makes you a good person a or good not. man is hard to find mm-hmm. okay yep yep <laughs> <laughs> yes so for anyone that's actually read a good man is hard to find yeah did you see the did you see the numbers the mathematical equations appear in front of my face well yeah where you're putting together the, the road trip pieces <laughs> road trip morality flannery o'connor there are some themes, it seems, among my picks thus far. Um, I, I think thus far it's murder. Ooh, love that for us. <laughs> so what makes a gripping beach read? A crime? A crime? Uh, a road trip? I love a road trip story. Well, we've come to my last title. Depending on your knowledge of one Ernest Hemingway, this may also be a gimme. I might be starting 
and ending easy, who knows? But this is the last novel from the Pulitzer Prize winning author, a love letter to bait and saltwater on the Havana coast. Two unlikely friends, a failed adventure, and one last chance to rewrite their history. Salvatore and Mono, Mono and Salvatore, one is experienced at his craft and the other is just trying to get his feet wet in the industry. The problem is Sal isn't having much luck anymore. After weeks of no success, Mono has to call it quits on learning from Sal. Mono feels for the guy, but after so many weeks without luck, his family says his time would be better spent elsewhere. After almost three months of failure and Mono stopping by to check in on his old friend, they share a cup of coffee together before Sal heads out alone for an adventure that will have you on the edge of your seat. So fun fact, I've never read any Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> fun fact, I have read this one and it starts my disdain for classics. So I have, I really have no guesses without cheating and Googling. My hint for you is you'll be on the edge of your seat. Hmm. Seat. <laughs> like the old man in the sea? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, wait, is that a Hemingway title? Yep, The Old Man in the Sea. Uh, Salvatore is actually Santiago and Mono is Monolin. Oh, I like it. See, I would read it from your description. I don't think I would read it from the regular one. <laughs> so when I was going into the seventh grade, I believe, it was like the summer heading into that. The summer I turned pretty. <laughs> it's not summer without you. <laughs> My mother was like, it, it, it's time. You have to start reading the classics. Now, mind you, I have always been a reader. Like as a kid, I was reading book on book on book, week after week, month after month. So getting me to read was not a difficult thing, but this is where she decided that like, oh no, maybe I need to make sure he's prepping for high school, college, whatever. And we had perhaps the biggest fight after leaving the library because we had to find a classic to read and you know, like whatever the librarian handed to me was like, whatever, this is what we're reading. And I got home and was like, I don't want to read this stupid book. I was so mad about it. I was so pressed because there were things I wanted to read. And so I remember storming up to my room, slamming the door behind me and sitting down and reading this front to back until I was done. This is a short book. I think it took me maybe an hour and a half to read. Don't know what happened. Did not think it was worth it. There's an old man, there's the sea, and there's a marlin he's trying to catch, whatever. Uh, after, I think, that debacle, and then me walking downstairs and slamming the book on the table and going, done, uh, I was never again pressured to read a class. I love that. <laughs> but that is where my disdain started, because when you have a super reader who's book after book nonstop, and they don't want to read something yeah. for no good reason. Maybe something's a little broken in that system. Yeah. And I think, well, and I think it's important though, too, to meet readers where they are. And if it's something they're not interested in, right? you know, there's only so much good, I think that can come out of quote, forcing people to read the classics. And yes, you could make the argument that there are so many adaptations today that borrow from classics that are a reimagining of a classic. 
But if they do the same thing and in most cases are doing it better or maybe not better because that's subjective, but more suitable for today's audience, I think there is a reason to read a reimagination or a reinterpretation. But at some point we have to reevaluate what is classical. I agree. I think I love a good reimagining. So if you can put it into the context of things that readers are interested in currently, whether that's romance or fantasy or anything like that, graphic novels, I think you can think outside of the box and how to teach those lessons and those classics, but maybe update it for your current readers or students or whatever. There are so many great books outside that exist today. I think you could easily do side by side as well. So if you talk about the great Gatsby, talk about it in tandem with something that's a little bit more modern. It goes back to what you said of like meet readers where they are. I've got one more. This is maybe a, well, I don't know if this will be a giveaway or not. He does have a large uh, body of work. So this could go many ways. Uh, But my next author, my final author for this guest, that classic Beatreat edition is Charles Dickens. Good old Chuck. (laughs) Good old Chucky D. Yeah. So from the Sunday Times bestselling author comes a cinematic coming of age story where a young orphan boy must navigate the stages of his life in a cruel and unusual world. I have like my announcer voice on right now. (laughs) Uh, Names have been changed. Peter's seemingly down on his luck when a series of unfortunate events occur one after the other. He has a dangerous run-in with an escaped prisoner and is almost convicted of a crime. Next, he's taken to visit an eccentric older woman who never leaves her house, but she wants some company. It's there that he falls in love with her young ward, Isabella. He's determined to turn his life and luck around and become the wealthy suitor Isabella is looking for. Alas, his fortunes turn grave there too, and he's instead forced to learn the family business. Feeling a bit depressed and down on his luck, fortune favors Peter, and he's inherited a mysterious amount of money from a strange benefactor. He returns to London, where he enjoys city life, partying, and everything that wealth has to offer. But where did the money come from? Can Peter live with the reality when he finds out who's been fronting his lifestyle? What lengths will we go to to accomplish our dreams and make what we love ours? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) All of my Charles Dickens knowledge comes from (laughs) Wishbone Mm -hmm. and my literature major. (laughs) Britlet, I know I read this. I know I read this in college, but I can't. Yeah. I can't think of it. Do you have a, a tiny hint for me? Um, Mrs. Havisham. Is that helpful? It should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made it into a movie recently, I think. Oliver Twist is the one with all the orphans, so it's not. Correct. No, it's a singular orphan. <laughs> right. Those are all one. the orphans. Although that's not really helpful for Charles Dickens' catalog of work to narrow right, the orphans. Since they're all orphans. <laughs> um, a Tale of Two Cities. Isn't that like a princess switch situation? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like uh, two people. Uh, the, the, and... that, that one I know from Wishbone. Because um, I think. Wishbone switches with wishbone. Right, right. 
not it's, it's not a tale of two cities it's um the one that makes me think of a magician you go into it with certain great expectations there you go there we go yeah oh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i can think of four titles mm-hmm. uh what's the other one i was thinking of that's like a man's name i mean like certainly not a christmas carol no, yeah, that's not a big <laughs> like, Certainly not. I didn't even um, think of a Christmas Carol. Oh, um, David Copperfield. David Copperfield, which would magician, yeah. Right. That's was like. There's one that's a, that to me sounds like a magician. Mm-hmm. Uh, great expectations. Yep, I fully had to read that. Yes. In university, I did. I when did we read Great Expectations? Do you know what we? May, I may have read Great Expectations in high school. Okay, I could which see that. Is a bit much. I feel like for high school. That's great expectations. That's wealthy benefactor. Right. You have to play the game of like, which orphan are we talking about? Who is Pip's wealthy benefactor? Right. Did only one person change their their station and situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And what's funny about this book, and I guess also the themes for my choices, and apparently these classics, were murder and escaped convicts. I love that. When I sat down to pull my titles and write my description, I literally went, oh my God, I want to try to turn the sound and the fury into a beach read. That was, that was it. Like that was as far as I knew I wanted to do. And then I finished writing it and I went, yes, you did that. And then I went, oh my God, everyone only knows one William Faulkner title. You didn't do this game right. (laughs) A trickier premise than I think we originally anticipated. Definitely. I had more than one Menti B when I was like, what is a beach read description? How do I write one? But hopefully fun. And how like that was a thing as well, because last time we were describing the plot. So I think this time I was also trying to describe the plot, but then had to backtrack and be like, wait, we're just I'm just trying to write a description. So some of them maybe were in the middle of both of those things. I think we both hit like a solid midpoint of rewrote the description, but included a little bit extra. Yeah. To try to maybe give you some clues. <laughs> to try to give you a fighting chance to figure out what the book was. Exactly. Well, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of Guess That Classic Beach Read Edition. Well, thank you all for indulging us today for this episode of Guess That Classic Beach Read Edition. So if you have suggestions for a future episode of Guess That Classic, if there is a genre or a, in this case, now that we've opened it up to description types, if there is a, a literary trope you'd like us, you'd like to see us write in, uh, let us know. You can reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds you can send an email to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Emma, thank you for treating me to these beach reads. Thanks, Joe. What a fun episode. Definitely let us know if you'd like to hear more in this style. We always have a blast when we get to do this. So definitely let us know if you want to hear more. Thanks so much for listening and happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading. 
Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.